podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Stretford Paddock. This is a one-to-one interview and I'm joined by Manchester football correspondent for The Guardian, Jamie Jackson. How are you doing? I've never been better, thank you. How are you? Oh, that's great to hear. I'm very well uh, as well, thank you. Obviously, last night's result, not particularly exciting when you wake up this morning, but you know it seems to be some reasons to be optimistic and hopefully you'll be able to um, elucidate us to, to any further uh, reasons that we might think of. Get your comments in. This is live, of course, so get your comments in for, for Jamie and we'll come to some of those later. But I've got a few of my own questions as well. So we'll, 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 we'll go through some of the takeover stuff. We'll go through the latest with that. We'll look at some transfers. We'll look at Ten Hag as a coach and the, and the work he's done and, and how you see it um, from your position as well. But let's start with that takeover stuff. So the, just to kind of get the, the overall view of it uh, as it stands at the moment, the, the, the talk is of Q1 2023, this sale. So that would be the end of March, wouldn't it? January, February, March is, is Q1. We've, the only official people that have come out and spoke publicly is, is Ineos mm. um, and, and Jim Ratcliffe by extension. Um, where, where, where do you see things at the moment in terms of whether bids have been made by anyone or the talks have taken place? We've seen... Um, uh, Avram Glazer in, in, I think it was Dubai, wasn't he? Reportedly talking to um, different potential owners from, from the Middle East. Where, where do things lie at the moment and, and how fast do you see this sort of snowballing, as it were? Because, you know, we're nearly into February already mm. and it's only Ineos who have officially kind of come forward. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, this Q1 thing that you mentioned, mm. you know, which is, as you say, by the end of um, March, that's that time frame. For them, or yeah, for the spokesperson or spokesman for Jim Ratcliffe to come out, I think yeah, it was this week, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, say we've formally sort of inserted ourselves into the process, I think it's significant. You wouldn't obviously say that if you felt, mm, you know, we're not really too interested or, um, you know, it's it's not something that they're really serious about. So it's interesting the timing of that. I mean, you know, as you just say, you're looking at two months, eight weeks mm. until the end of March, really, maybe a little bit longer, actually. Um, and so they, they are, Ineos, Jim Ratcliffe, the only ones who have formally, as you said, you know, voice and interest. Beyond that, you you know, you're looking at maybe, I don't know, sort of Middle East money, as you mm. mentioned there, maybe an American consortium similar to the sort of one at Chelsea. But at the moment, and you just don't know with these things. And, and you know, we were talking before about why, why they've come out and said that. Yeah. It may be because to do with um, a shareholder thing, they have to sort of legally do this. Might be also to sort of say to the, the fan base, here we are, definitely. He's also obviously a local gentleman yeah. businessman, you know, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, he's from around here. Um, but, you know, I heard or I read somewhere the other day that the reason why that might have some pull is it might sway the glazers. I don't believe that. What will sway the glazers is price. I mean, you don't need me to say that. You know, what I'm trying to say is the fact that he's a local businessman is not going to make them go, okay, you're, you're, you know, you're offering a billion less, mm. we'll sell uh, to you. But what, what I would say on that is if it does go to him in the end, I think then they will make a play of that. You know, the Glazers, yeah, they will then try and course. use that as like, you know, look look, look at the safe hands, the mm. local person. I mean, he is a fan. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like going back, a throwback to the sort of, yeah, the 80s maybe, or, or maybe pre Abramovich with a local business person, yeah. you know, buys yeah, his, his or hers boyhood, boy or girlhood. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? But this yeah. guy's obviously, I think he is Britain's richest uh, person. So um, it's football. I would still be surprised if it happened by the end of Q1, not because I think there's any necessary something going, you know, particularly difficult with this deal than others, but it's just, it seems like a really short amount of time. Mm. But, you know, may, maybe it will occur. Um, yeah. I think if you're then getting on towards the summer, 
causes problems for the transfer, you know, transfer yeah. market. The so. uncertainty there, because obviously, especially Ten Hag, I know in the past United have left things late, but I don't see Ten Hag as the sort of person that wants to wait till August to start buying players. I think that he, he's obviously going to want to get that, that stuff and planned and scheduled and know what the budget is, you know, in the next couple of months, really. And that's an interesting that you mentioned Ten Hag, because it's going to sound really ridiculous because he's a, being brilliant for you, but mm. there's no guarantees he'll still be the manager. I think he still will be, yeah. but you've got to look at this. I mean, look at what happened to Tuchel at, at Chelsea. Mm. For whatever reason, he won them the Champions League, and, and he, you know, he got sacked. What was it? You know, a few weeks into this into this season. I'm not saying that's going to happen to, yeah. to Ten Hag necessarily, but there is all this that, that's part of it. You know, will John Murta still be the football director? Will Darren Fletcher still be there as a technical director? Uh, you know, the, the chief the chief executive whose name uh, escapes me, Richard Arnold. Richard Arnold you know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he may be sort of, is, is, mm. you know. So that's another reason why this ha this has to be done. If you're, you know, tr it's the old thing. If you try to buy players, um, player A incoming needs to, well, you would think anyway, not all of them, but most of them, if they're, if they're, if they're smart, if they, if they really care about the career, they're going to want to know where the, where the club's going. So I think, I think that's another reason why the, this deal needs to be done Sort of yeah before the yeah. before uh, the, the end of Q one, I think that would be a disaster if we got rid of ten out. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I guess you would agree, but just like be a joke. I yeah, mean, it would. But again, like you said, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Well, you just don't know who's, who's coming in. in. This is the thing. Yeah. I don't think Sir Jim Ratcliffe, for example, is going to sack ten out. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I think it would go the other way. I think. I think you know. Just sorry, just on Ratcliffe, you mentioned yeah. there about him being a boyhood United fan and. Uh, I think he, he lived in, in Manchester until he was about 10 years old and that, you know, like I said, it, it would kind of almost represent the old fashioned way of yeah. doing football where, you know, local businessman who did all right for himself buys his boyhood club. Obviously, this is a bigger scale than all of that. But do you think he's aware of his position as sort of and I'm not I'm not, you know, claiming that every fan would, would prefer Ratcliffe, but he seems to be the kind of the most typical choice that most people I speak to seem to want that. Do you think he knows that? Do you think he's sat there thinking, I could be the sort of saviour of this club, but people want me to do that? Uh, yeah, I think he is aware of that. I mean, and this brings us on to another thing that's part of your question related to the answer is, mm. you know, he, he, he made a, a latish, I don't know if bid, but certainly expressed an interest in buying Chelsea, right? Yeah. And at the time I thought that's interesting because he's supposed to have been at the, the Champions League final 99, you know, obviously the Solskjaer, game um a, yeah a die-hard Manchester United fan apparently and, and yet he's after buying Chelsea now who knows what particular reason that he did that because it was towards the late the, the late timing of, of you know yeah. of a Todd Burley sort of being interested um but I think he must be aware of that or, or you know he's a businessman he's a smart person mm. um and you'd like to think I'd like to think I've never asked him obviously but I'd like to think that not maybe not the reason, but you know, part of the reason why he wants to buy Manchester United is, is because of what we're discussing that, that he does support the club. And yeah. if you look at it that way, it's actually as long as he, if he, you know, if he was to buy and proves to be a good owner, it's actually a dream purchaser, isn't it? Because you've gone from yeah. th th this, this, um, how can I say it? Th these, these people, the Glazers. <laughs> that's, that's a fair way. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. The people, people, the people. Yeah. Um, you know, to, who aren't particularly liked, and I'm being yeah. polite. Yeah. You know, to sort of maybe the diametric opposite, a local person mm. who. If, you know, it, it, he has to get the club because he is a, a fan. And if he doesn't get the club, then to, to a certain extent, he, he's, he's, he's sort of sold a sort of, you know, not, 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 not a particularly fair image of who he is and why he's after the club. So, yeah. you know, you, you might get lucky both ways here. You might get someone coming in. I mean, it's interesting with regard to the sort of amount of money he's got. Yeah. But this whole thing, and, and this includes the Glazers, about, oh, the Glazers or, or owner A, Whoever it is, or, or you know, whatever club hasn't put their own money into a club, that, that doesn't ha really happen anyway. I mean, mm. you know, that is a thing of the past. You know what I'm getting at? So, yeah. 
with Ratcliffe, you know, I've read stuff that he may, maybe he's not quite as, a lot of his money's sort of like paper money, you know, it's investments, etc. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be too concerned about that because of what Manchester United, as we yeah. all know, you know, through, through these owners, is, is probably, probably the, the, the best club in the world at generating its own income. It really, really yeah. is. Well, that's the thing, like, you look at, you know, I think they've just released a sort of money table again today or yesterday and City are at the top of that now. But you look at who is sponsoring Manchester City, if, if you can even verify that these companies exist, uh, so which some of them don't even seem yeah. to, the ones that you can verify are almost all owned by the owners. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily yeah. a true reflection of the money-making ability of Manchester City, but United are, are on that list and we do make that money by ourselves. And I think that's yes. a good point about... You know, there is an issue where, you know, I'm sure people would like the Glazers to spend some of their own money on Man United. But the biggest thing isn't that they don't spend their own money. It's that they take United's money out. Yeah, yeah. They put us in debt in the first place and they and they steal from the club. Not that they don't put their own in. It's, you know, so all Jim Ratcliffe would have to do is not take dividends and ideally take us out of the debt. I mean, I think he would have to take us out of the debt. But... He doesn't have to be like Ibrahimovic did or even like the City owners did mm-hmm. where they've, you know, one way or another managed to get their own money into the club. He would just have to let the club run the way it should be with good people in charge. Yeah, and maybe actually because he wants to, not because maybe there's the European Super League and the protests outside Old Trafford, you know, connect with the fans. Mm. Listen, you're a fan, I'm not, but I'm guessing fans don't want to hear from the owners every day of the week. But what they want to feel like is that the owners kind of give her what's it, <laughs> you know, their heart's in the right place. Um, and, you know, the stadium, I, I then move on to, because I think Old Trafford, mm. obviously great history there, but it needs doing up, a, you know, a facelift, maybe a rebuild, however you want to describe it, because I know all clubs like this, but I almost think that, and Ted Hag's obviously, the, you know, the incumbent, but any Manchester United manager is not just managing the team, no. you know, he's managing sort of upwards. And I, what, what I mean by that is you've got owners there who are kind of absent, I would, I would, mm-hmm. I would say. That, you know, I know they go to the odd game, but you understand what I mean. They're, they're not like the heart and soul of the club. They're the opposite. And he's having to mani- they have to manage that sort of, let's say, yeah, it's a toxic relationship mm. really between the owners and the fans. Oh, yeah, the definitely. manager's in the middle yeah. and you've got the stadium there that's almost an emblem of their sort of like, how can I say this again, being politely. Um, you don't need to be polite. When, uh, no one, maybe, no one <laughs> mind if you're not polite to all the Glazers, don't worry. But I like to be polite. Okay. Maybe, maybe just not caring as much as it should. You know, I think they all yeah. traffic, the, the fact that it's a bit run down, it's been patched up, there's a leaky yeah. roof. They've left it to rot basically, haven't they? For 20 years. 50, yeah, th- years. they've never done any um, no. sort of structural work that wasn't, you know, there was obviously the, the, uh, the new... The seats, but, but that was already you know commissioned before. So yeah, I mean, as you say, so John Ratcliffe's just got to be sort of kind of opposite to all this. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you said, I think it's he doesn't necessarily have to be this sort of hands-on everyday owner. But let's make it seem like someone that cares about the club owns it. That's that feels like a minimum requirement, doesn't it? Like at least pretend to care. Um, and the yeah. other thing as well that is worth yeah. mentioning, I think, is you know. I'm sure he's. A, I, I believe he's a Manchester United fan. I don't think that's just some story whipped up to, to gain mm. public favour. I believe that he is. Um, he's also 70 years old. So if 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 he doesn't buy Manchester United now, and let's say this, it's um, we'll, we'll move on to kind of you know the potential rumours with Saudi investment mm. and, and uh, parts of um, the UAE as well. But if he doesn't do this now, he probably never will. This is his. You know, assuming the next owners own it for even half the time that the Glazers have done, that, that will put him uh, into his 80s before he gets a chance, uh, another stab at this. Yeah. I would assume yeah. this is Jim Radcliffe's last chance at this. If, even if just from a personal perspective, if he wants to have owned Man United one day, this is kind of now or never for him, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
the process is still ongoing, but as you know, as we discussed, we only know about Sir Jim Ratcliffe as a concrete potential owner. So who knows what he he might prove to be? But I get the feeling that. It, from Manchester United's point of view, the club, you know, the, the institution and the fans, mm. as long as he is a, a de- you know, decent sort of persona, etc., it feels like this is the big chance for mm. you after sort of years of just like dismal sort of ownership mm. and, you know, neglect, blah, blah, blah. So it's almost like all, all that sort of year of, sort of those years of like, yeah, disappointment, or however you, want, yeah. you know, you're now going to get, not a reward, but it's now going to go the other way, hopefully. Yeah. If, it, if it, you know, I just, I, you know, I just, What's difficult is you just don't know what's coming down the track from, from other entities, you know, as you're saying. Well, that's saying. the thing. So if we move on to that a little bit, I think yeah. Dubai was the big one that's been mentioned that seems to sort of, again, because there's no public announcements yeah. the way Ineos yeah. have done, it's all rumour and it's all this faceless. report and exclusive yep. here and this there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Saudi Arabia is another one that was mentioned a lot. But again, currently, but the Saudi Arabia public investment fund, as they're known, but there's a lot of ties to the royal family there already own Newcastle, would they even be allowed to well, own another club in the Premier League? Uh, that's a very interesting Surely question. That's a I, we, we, you know, I did a story on this, but I think it was during the World Cup, because I think it was something like, I can't remember exactly, like it was some, it was a, minister, a government minister came out and said, if, if a private business entity or person you know, from Saudi Arabia wants to buy Manchester United, that's the only way it can happen. Mm. But as we were discussing before, <laughs> you know, it's called the public investment fund, you know, so... And, and yet it seems to be that, you know, the, the Saudi royal family, which obviously, so, I, you know, I'm not an expert on, on that country, but I, that seems the only way that would be. Yeah. And does, does, does a private person in, in Saudi who is not really the royal family have the sort of money to not only buy? Because, you, you know, you made a very good point there, which I hadn't thought of. There's all this, obviously, there's all this debt mm. that United have. And, and you're taking that on as well, obviously, aren't you? You're not just buying the club. Now, obviously... Any business person is going to say, "Well, you want five billion, you're, you're half a billion in debt, whatever it is, knock that off." You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you want six? Let's make it. You know, that's what you think would happen. But um, you know, when you're competing with, yeah, uh, um, you know, City, Newcastle, who are basically sort of government, mm. government or country backed, more or less, however you want to describe it. Yeah. So the diffi- you, you know, people who can compete with that, or entities of right, you know, they don't just grow on trees, obviously. No. And that's why. Going back to Sir Jim Ratcliffe, you just wonder, you know, he's British rich as man. I'm not saying he's got the same level as, you know, the Saudi Arabians or, uh, you know, Abu Dhabi or Qatar, but, you know, he's a billionaire. It's almost like you need a billionaire. Mm. And, and here is one. Um, I just still go back to this Chelsea thing. I just wonder why he did that at the time. It seemed a bit mm. odd. If you are a true Manchester United fan, maybe, you know, maybe he thought United wasn't going to come up for sale, you know. Yeah. He, Again, for five, ten years, as you mentioned, but you you'd think if if he's properly tuned into this, you know, it's a village. You'd think he, he would know what's coming down the track. It was only a few months later, obviously, that the yeah. Glazers have turned around and done this. So it's a little bit puzzling that maybe maybe he wanted to sort of understand the the lay of the land when it comes to a, a takeover of this mm. scale. See what what boxes need ticking. See how this actually would yeah, work. So get inside that deal. Because have a look it, in. Because yeah. I was looking before. I think we, we we checked this before, and you can correct me, uh, producer Ethan, if I'm wrong on this. I think. Uh, Chelsea, the first ever billion pound football club. So before that, no club had ever been uh, sold for yeah. a billion. And now we're looking at four, five, six billion yeah. for Man United. Maybe he just wanted to see the inner workings of a, a f- sort of fran- sport franchise purchase of this scale because it's never been done before. Yeah, until it's, good, Chelsea. it's a good point. He, he also owns Nice, which is obviously not, not a billion pound yeah. operation. Um, and again, I've not done a lot of research on this, but it seems that 
it was sort of a mixed yeah. reaction to ha- to his ownership of you know of that French club there. Yeah, I don't um, think it's been it's been all sort of sunshine and roses mm. there by any means. But again, it's I I don't know his day to day involvement with running Nice. I don't know who he brought yeah. in. I, maybe that's you know something we should look into. Obviously, if if he becomes the front yes. runner. Before we carry on, we have teamed up with betvictor.com to bring you their pick six free-to-play game where you can win yourself £1,000. All you have to do is get a BetVictor account, make your six selections across the Premier League that weekend, and if you get all six right, you are in with a chance of winning the £1,000 prize, right? The great thing is, you're also guaranteed a 20 quid bet if you get all six correct. It's that easy to play and it is great fun as well. Terms and conditions apply. See on site for full details and make sure you are 18 plus, be gamble aware and always bet responsibly. Um, let's move on to transfers um, a bit because obviously, regardless of who's, who's the owner, you expect transfers to be taking place. Firstly, this is what, 12 days left of January. Do you expect any more movement this window? Maybe some out of the club, maybe a couple of loans. But I can't really see a major signing. I mean, Walt Weghurst, with all the sort of uh, respect that he's supposed to say in these matters, mm. I think they only got him in because that's who they could afford. To be honest, I think it's quite a clever bit of business considering, you know, they had the money left over from Ronaldo's saved salary, whatever yeah. that is, 15 million. And they managed to pull out a guy who's had a good World Cup, knows the Premier League. But, you know, it's a very small sample size, but looking at the game yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, I watched it with my son who is a United fan. You could, it's easy to say, I'm not blaming him at all for the draw, don't get me wrong, but there was a couple of occasions where he, he looked a bit one-paced. Yeah. I, know, I know he hasn't been bought for his pace, what I'm saying is what you really wanted was an, uh, you know, someone like Martial yeah. who's fast, but maybe doesn't get injured all the time yeah. uh, to compete with <laughs> him. So what I'm trying to say is, you never say never in football, but I'd be surprised if they, it, to a certain extent, it does depend on the Glazers. It, it, if, if they suddenly think, oh, we need a, a 35 million pound or 40, but even for that price, who are you going to get? So yeah. in terms of major outgoings, I don't, that might be the only way, but you know, if, if, you, if you now think of Luke Shaw as a centre back, right? Yeah. Or possibly, you know, you can play there, play well in the derby, obviously, then that makes Maguire in my book, fifth choice. So, so you, you, I could see a scenario <laughs> where they line up a player that, that uh, ETH, uh, Ten Hag wants, you know, yeah. like a, whatever it might be, a, a striker, I'd say. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. And the Maguire, Maguire gets sold on the yeah. basis that you know that that money is used, but other than that, I'm not so sure. So yeah, it is basically sell to buy. I think they're out in, in this month, in you know, in this uh, January yeah. window. Okay. Well, there was there was rumours. I mean, obviously, I wanted you to say we were getting Mbappe, but you, you didn't. <laughs> and just on that, actually, on, in, in terms of like, you, you say there about you know Manchester United's number nine, and we've got very close to the end of the season. Um, looking at the, gen, uh, the the summer the t- transfer window, obviously, assuming there is a similar budget available to what we've seen over the last yeah. few years, you know, again, who knows what's going to happen with the owners, but let's assume yeah. things are roughly how they have been and, and the, the lay of the land is similar to how it is now for the sake of being able to even have this conversation. <laughs> um, but like I said, Vekost is the sort of player that I think is a good sort of, you know, filling the gaps type player. But re- realistically, if you Man United want to be the best team in the world and the best team in England, It needs. we need to have a world-class striker there, not just someone that's agree. not quite as good as Anthony Martial, who has, I think, scored 10 goals in the last two seasons. So, you know, I, I'm not going to say, obviously, Mbappe was, was a joke name thrown out there, but do you, is there any way United could generate that sort of well, money? Because we're a big club, like I said, we, we generate money the way in, very few other clubs do, but... Where is this money coming from? Because it seems to be a sell-to-buy thing in, in the summer as well, that with some reports we saw. I mean, 
if you if you look back in the time I've done this job, which is since the last but one of Ferguson season, so mm. eleven years now, um, you've always had a quite a bit of money mm. in the summer, right? Yeah. And last 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 summer was I think I think it was the record. So you could look at it this way. I think he probably wants two players at least. I think he probably wants another midfielder, mm. like a proper midfielder, if I can put it that way, like a Casemiro quality, and yes, a striker. Say Jim Ratcliffe buys it or A N other, there's going to be the money that you would normally have in theory. You know, it's 150, 200 million, and then it, the new entity, person, whatever it is, yeah. might want to make a statement and say, "All right, here you go, it's another 100." May, may, you know, you don't know. You might transform it. You might be in the market for Mbappe. I know it was mm. a joke, but so if you think of Mbappe in your team. Suddenly you just yeah. think, wow. And I know, you know, Real Madrid are after him. But what I'm trying to say is, why can't you be in that? I've always wondered, there's mm. probably a the answer is the Glazers, why you can't be in that bracket of going for the absolute, you know, yeah. because you've got, you generate the money. This debt thing is, is obviously having to be serviced and they get, they get paid a dividend 15, 20 million a season, I think it is, between yeah. the sort of five or six siblings. So if all that was sorted out, I don't see, because you are, you are in terms of generating your own money, mm. The, be the best, I'd say, but also commercially, you're, you're, you're a bit of a phenomenon. You, you know what I mean? You yeah. are a massive. Well, well there, was a, there was, I saw an article, and it's, it, it's something that gets kind of brought up every so often, but players like, if you look sort of pre-Glazer, yeah. and, and buying players as a percentage of, of annual turnover, right? people like uh, Varane and Rio Ferdinand and, uh, and, and, play, and Yapstam, I think, or maybe it wasn't Yapstam, but certainly Varane and Ferdinand, would have cost the equivalent of like 120, yeah. 130, 150 million. Yeah. I think Veron would be the equivalent of 155 million yeah. pounds today. So we used to spend bigger then than we did now. Mm, when you, yeah. you look at it as a uh, percentage of the how much the club's making, do you think that is something that could change with with new owners? Because how and, and as a second question, sorry, because I need to ask you this yeah, before. Sure. I know you, you don't do you know the majority of work on Chelsea or any, but how are they doing what they're doing as well financially what is how is that situation coming about well take the second question first i, yeah. I think it's probably because there isn't that debt you know that, that that you have um he 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 you know the owner is i don't know because it isn't as rich a club it just no. isn't but I'd, maybe there is some private money going in, into that I, I actually don't it's a very good question because yeah. They're, they're after um, they're after another player, aren't they? Yeah, oh, they want who? Just to get in, in the Ukrainian. From, yes, uh, yes. So from he's got the U U Ukrainian uh, gentleman in Mudrik, and now they're after Casido, who looks a good player. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting. Mm. They're almost like doing a Nottingham Forest, but obviously in, in massive yeah. scale in terms of can't stop buying. Y United for me, I've never. Well, I think the answer is the Glazers, but I'd, so yeah, I think you can. This is why it's exciting, maybe. If you get the right mm. owner in, why can't you be, in, with regard to the sort of uh, riches spent, like Manchester City? I mean, the other thing is, is what's been an issue is that, that that squad's been declining with bad buys, basically since Ferguson you know, yeah. left. That There's a rebuild job on, so it's very difficult just to turn around one summer and say, right, we only want one or two players. Let's go for you know, Mbappé or whoever it may be, because we've got yeah. a service, a left-back, a right-back. The midfield's been decrepit for 20 years, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But, but he's starting to sort all that out. I mean, you know... Um, I thought uh, Casemiro was interesting. Spent all summer after De Jong. Yeah. We're going to get him. We're going to get him. You know, we're confident. We're confident. We're confident. Didn't happen. Now I don't know. Y you almost feel like under Solskjaer or even Mourinho, they wouldn't then have because apparently that was going to be that was it. But they, they then sort of you lost those couple of games and Casemiro. You know, they suddenly had sixty million. And I, I, I happened to ask him what you know was Casemiro always on your list. You know what happened there kind of thing in a press conference. His answer was sort of a mixture of like I don't really want to answer it and also maybe a wry smile. 
as if to say, I don't know, maybe the money did freshly become available mm. because of the results. I, I, I don't know, m m maybe he's got something, Ten Hag, I'm not saying necessarily in his contract, but it almost seems like he was able to affect that budget thing because, you know, we were being told, brief, how you want to say it, that, that kind of the, that the cupboard was bare, but then suddenly, you well, know. This seems to happen every every season and, um, you know, we chat to people and the, we don't have the same sort of contacts as you, but there's certain people who we know who yeah, know sure. things and, you know, you hear things. And but going into last transfer window, like you said, last summer, it was like, there's not much money here, you know, mm. like, but d don't be surprised if United don't make any big signings. Mm. And then all of a sudden, there's 80 million for Anthony that gets found, and Casemiro's another yeah. 60, and Martinez was 45, and yeah. Melassia was another 50. Like, there was 240 million quid spent in yeah. the end, which is, like you said, United's biggest ever transfer window. So it, none of it seems to make sense, particularly, does it? Um, just, just as that sort of final thing, because just in terms of thinking about the money that was available. Do you think if we'd have got De Jong, Casemiro would have been a no then, presumably? I surely, think so, surely yeah. Surely not both. Yeah, I think so, but you kind of need both, right? Or you, you know, I yeah. think if you had both, and, 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 and yeah, you know, how can I say, a really good striker who's fast yeah. <laughs> and you know, can score lots of goals stay fit, I think you'd be like, wow, yeah. it's a scary proposition. At the moment, he's doing obviously brilliant. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's was the, that. That's what seemed to happen. It was only when the De Jong, I mean, he basically, Wanted him all summer. It, it, it yeah. might happen still, you know, yeah. uh, in, in the summer. Um, so, but you know, when you say two hundred and forty million, that's that's obviously a, basically a quarter of a billion pound. Right? That's a lot of money, right? That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're spending all that despite the debt, despite the Glazers being sort of semi-interested, mm. however you want to describe it. Um, so if you if you know, you know what I mean, you can almost if if you're a United fan and you're looking for a glass half full scenario, you sort of almost be happy optimistic that well we're still do, able to do that sort of business despite the fact that we're half a billion in debt mm. we're having to service that and so if someone comes in and sorts all that out yeah because you look at Chelsea and I think just to go through their arrival since 16 17 by season so that year I'm not gonna go through the players but sure. just the amount spent yeah so 132 million euros which is roughly the same in pounds um then the next season uh 17 18 was 260 million euros which is the same as United's biggest yeah. season ever then that, the one after that was 208 million. Wow. Then they had the transfer ban where they bought Mateo Kovacic somehow <laughs> and, and spent 45 million euros. And then to make up for, you know, a bit of a fallow year because <laughs> of our transfer ban where we only bought one player, um, they spent 247 million. And then, la then, and then last season was 118 million. And then to make up for that, they've this, this uh, season so far, since the start of um, June, they've spent 425 million euros. Is that how much it is? <laughs> so much they spent. Oh, wow. Wesley Fafana was 80 million. He's played about three games. Wow, I didn't know um, quite that much. So 425 million that they've spent. Um, wow. So when you think about that, like you said, there's no reason United couldn't find some money somewhere or you know, a new owner surely would be. It's an easy way to get the fans to like you as well, isn't it? It is. Unless do you're doing just some sort of... The other thing to say is, like I think, I th and I know, as long as this goes in the team, I don't think there's anything wrong with this, I think you you could probably make a lot more money out of Manchester United. I think if yeah. you made Old Trafford like a destination venue that had like a cinema and some really yeah. nice shops and restaurants, you know what I mean, and nice yeah. bars. I don't the mean like... A, around yeah, it. I don't mean, yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the yeah. I don't mean like in a cheesy sort of plastic way, but actually really nice, mm. done with a bit of class. You know, maybe to turn the, the current Old Trafford into a, a, a museum or, I don't know, use it for the women's... Uh, football team build you understand what I'm getting at yeah. you know I think there's opportunities there to really actually um, you know I mean I, I remember Woodward saying to me be before um, you know obviously before he left 
a few years ago actually that that, that he he thought there's there's no doubt it could be worth double figures billions mm. Manchester United uh, you know at some point ten ten plus yeah and, I, and I, I agree I'm not a massive expert but I just think common sense says that because you you're doing all this with as I say a sort of ne- sort of neglected stadium and mm. you know you don't realize you've got so much land around there you yeah. know and you think about what sort of city's owners and how they've managed to develop the the area around there there's this new co-op live arena that's going up there as well which I don't I don't think they own but that part of town which used to be old factories and, yeah. and desolate is now becoming you might go there to you know s- spend your money elsewhere that's what and, and yeah. that you know at the minute united have done nothing even hotel football which is right on the doorstep of old trafford isn't owned by manchester united which, like you just think i was staggered m- that the glazers yeah. supposedly smart business people yeah. operators didn't see you know allowed that to happen if i can put it that way yeah and, yeah I, I think that's a good point of you know this united don't sort of lead the way in anything do they um, unfortunately, it's Not all kind moment. of lagging behind and waiting. So hopefully that can change. Um, let's move on to Ten Hag because you, you spoke about him. Then you mentioned the job that he's doing. Um, actually, no. Before that, sorry. Last question on transfers. Is there any names in the summer that you think you know? Kane has been mentioned. Rice has been mentioned in terms of the big players. Uh, any? Is there anything that you think is is sort of a goer on either of those two? Or well, I, th- I think there's interest definitely in Rice. Yeah. Um, you know, if you ask me a slightly different question. Well, it probably is the same question. Him or De Jong, I'd say definitely Declan Rice. Um, and Harry Kane, I don't know. I'm not too sure. I haven't done any massive digging on this, but I'm not too sure. He's, he's quite a Ten Hag player. Maybe mm. for some uh, reason to do with the pace, basically. I'm not saying yeah. he's, he's slow, but I think, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think De Jong will come back into it. Um, Rice is interesting because I read that you know obviously Arsenal made him number one target and Chelsea he, he, he was out there but I still think and maybe I'm just a little bit biased because I cover the Manchester clubs I still think particularly United it's, it's a massive pull it just is it is the Real Madrid or Real Madrid is the Manchester United mm. of Spain let me put it that way um, you know I, yeah. I, so it, and I think with what Ten Hag's doing I think he's making a very good case for someone like Declan Rice to seriously consider so I think th- I think they're more uh, favourites or got, got more of a chance of getting Declan Rice than maybe has been written about mm. at the moment for, for these reasons I really yeah, do yeah. interesting that would be, be one to would I'm, you like him there I would like him there the more I see of Declan Rice the more I like him but then when I see Casemiro playing I think I don't think he's as good as that I don't think he's I mean look at what Casemiro's won I know yeah. it would be he'd have to be the best player ever to win that with West Ham so I'm not knocking him for not sure. winning five Champions Leagues at sure. West Ham but I think we've already got a player of that level and maybe we could do with someone slightly more expansive next to him rather than, you know, uh, more of a, a copy of Casemiro. I know, he, I know they're not quite the same and Declan sure. Rice carries the ball better and all those things, but he's not a creative player by any means, is he, Declan Rice? Um, I think there was, a, there was mention in, across some of the, the broadsheets as well um, yesterday that, Oss, like you mentioned there, Osserman would maybe be preferred over Kane because of his pace. Is that what you... Yeah, you, yeah, I mean... Similar sort of I th- thing? Yeah, I mean, how old is Kane now? He's about 29. 29, yeah. So, I mean, if that deal... Was to be done. It's I thought is it a hundred million plus? Because if so, it's w- got to be around that. W- w- would Ten Hag, Stroke, Murta, but Ten Hag really is driving it. Really want to, you know, if you're going to go for a striker, mm. I don't know. I, listen, he's a he's a very good footballer. Kane. He's not just a striker. You know, he can. He, you know, he's like a number ten as well. Really good. Um, but yeah, I think I also think he, you know, kind of relate to the Casemiro thing with Rise. Casemiro's thirty. That's not his fault, and he, he's got at least two years at the very top. You know, maybe mm. more, but. He, you know, he's not. He's that side of thirty now. Yeah. And I just wonder, with, with Osman, you know, whether they want a sort of younger, yeah. you know, who can grow into grow into the team. I, 
I don't know. I just think he has sort of half solved the midfield problem. Yeah. And when I say half, only because you need two as good as Casemiro, I yeah. think. Yeah, and the other, the other issue is uh, Ericsson's 30. Yeah. So the, and the thing, if it, I think that, that's the one downside good, I good see Good free to signing Kane. him, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> that's the one downside I see to Harry Kane is if you get him, You've got Ericsson, who's 30, yeah. Varane, who's touching 30, Casemiro's the other side yeah. of 30, Kane, who is about to be 30. Um, you've basically got a win. Ten Hag's basically you know, set a, a, a stopwatch on his, own, on his own time at United yeah. there. Yeah. If you don't win anything in the next three years, he's probably going to, oh, yeah. two years, yeah. he's probably going to be gone. So yeah. if you get awesome and you may be, you know, this is more of a rotating, constantly revolving team that can win I, things I, for, for longer. I'm really interested to see what happens with Ganacho yeah. because he looks... And, you know, it can happen. Players can come in, even to Manchester United, which is obviously a big ask, and then look really amazing. But he, he actually looks the most amazing of these youngsters who've come through for, for a while. I'd even s suggest, it's a bit of a big call, but I know because I know Rashford scored on his first, very two mm. first games, but he looks, I'm going to say more, not better, but sort of more, like he, more of a game breaker than Rashford. Mm. But as I say, he's only played a handful. But what I'm trying to say is that might solve a problem. I know he's not a centre forward, but Crumbs, if he can start scoring goals, yeah. You know, he reminds me a little bit, possibly, of how of, of Ronaldo raw, but has you know Ronaldo obviously worked, you know, got the most out. Of it. Yeah. Can Ganacho do that? Because he just, you know, the way he created that winner in the derby, he's 18, yeah. turns onto his left. You know, you know what I mean? He, he's just he, so he, direct he, and insistent. He is, he is that direct, he's but he's also quite done. good with distribution. That's why I use that example because he yeah. could have not panicked, but he could have just sort of done it with his right foot. But he, he sort of took his time, turned, and then yeah. he made the right ball. And I think that's quite a good sign. So I don't know. I, you know, my, as I say, my son's a United fan, and I think for him and any United fan, I'd be really excited at the moment because you're going to get hopefully good owners, and mm. you've got a great manager at last. Hopefully, yeah. Well, on the, on on um, Ten Hag, just looking at some of the players that he's improved and how United, have, yeah. even with the draw yesterday, it's a, a ten-game unbeaten run. Nine of those are wins. You, you couldn't ask for much more, really, in the last few months yeah. since those Brighton and uh, Brentford l losses. Um, start with Rashford because you mentioned him there. Yeah. He's, I think he, I think he looked to me slightly unfit yesterday, and he looked like he picked up a knock against City, didn't it? Um, but he's in certainly the best form of his career, and making the argument that at the moment maybe the best or most informed player in the world. I think since the World Cup, yeah, no yeah, one scored yes. more goals yeah. than him. So, yeah. how much do you put of that on Rashford and the way he's turned things around, or how much do you put it on the the, the coaching and the culture change that Ten Hag's brought? Yeah, I mean, him? I think the player always has to take a lot of credit, but but I don't think he didn't try, say, last season yeah. with Ranić and Solskjaer. So I go to what's changed, it's the manager, right? Mm. There is an X factor, I really think, and you know, Luke Shaw moving across from left back to centre back and looking at a really, you know, really good player there. So yeah, I think Rashford, so interesting, because if I remember rightly, I, I even think he might have started off this season looking a little bit, you know, he, yeah. he needed some confidence, and he's just become what. I, what I love about it is, you always felt he could do this. Yeah. Almost be like Thierry Henry, that sort of striker, really fast, you know, sort of direct scoring. But he never really has done it consistently. But now he looks the real deal. Um, can he keep it up? What is he? Twenty five, right? Yeah, I think so. so. You know, he's, you know, he's got his best years ahead of him. I, th I think he, uh, you know, with this manager, I think he's probably, you know, hit hit goal. But this is kind of what managers. A pay to do right, not mm. not you know they've got to do lots of things, but basically it's get get the best out of players, but also improve them. Um, you know, Wan Bissaka is another example. Yeah, well, that's one I was going to come on. To. Part of it is also is it's what you do with the player, but it's also if you're coming into a team that's functioning well and knows what it's doing, you mm. can almost like within reason 
change whatever yeah. position, right? You, you know, that's what Guardiola's done so well. He's got this this winning machine. That's and what just, Ferguson did. Yeah, didn't exactly. Some of the teams that he won big games well, with are well, laughable. You on tell paper. me your, your last title wasn't a gr- the greatest United, you know, that you won yeah. wasn't the greatest United team. But you know, he, so yeah, I think Ten Hag is a bit of a operator on, on the training ground. He knows exactly what he's doing, and I think he's really a uh, brilliant man manager, good with the media. It was interesting because when, when he started off, there was all this, oh, can he speak enough? How's his English? You know, mm-hmm. is, is he good with his English? And what I noticed was, or what I, f- I first thought, his very first pre- pre- press conference was, oh, his English isn't that good. But then I realised it's just his accent. And actually mm-hmm. what he says is, is actually quite interesting. He's smart. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I know people might say, what does it matter? But I think it, do- I think it does. I think all the top ones are good with the media. And when I say good, I don't mean like they, they, they help us out. I just mean that they, they're in control. They're smart. They, understand, they see what's coming. Mm. They know how to use it. I know that sounds all obvious, but not all of them are like that. I, thought, I felt like Solskjaer sometimes didn't do himself many favors just because he was such a nice guy and that was kind of the way he, he almost thought was a little bit of a a little bit naive maybe whereas yeah. this guy you know he's, he's even he's got that going for him as well mm-hmm. so yeah so i mean you know rashford Juan Pesaka, luke shaw um you know we could go through the team um martial Ma- i mean martial was out yeah de Gea, although uh, that, that goal where he went let through his legs wasn't great was yeah, it yeah that was <laughs> leaning you know, against Mar- the post like he was <laughs> had a few pints in him yeah that was was out on loan last season right yeah. i mean um he really rates him so in a way, it's not rocket science, but you know, getting in a top manager. But it seems to have been difficult for United. I mean, this midfield thing is hilarious. You had Skulls and Carrick, and then that was mm. it for like 15 years, right? Yeah. You know, in terms of a proper yeah. player there. How can that be at Manchester United? It just seems yeah. odd. We've, we've, we've really sort of skipped through some poor decisions and people. That, you yeah. know, Schweinsteiger too late and Schneidlin wasn't right. Yeah. And yeah. then what, what, Fellaini and yeah. Herrera, Pogba didn't work out. Fellaini's like, a low point. Yeah. yeah, that was a bad transfer window. <laughs> Maybe we've still got the money left over from only <laughs> buying Fellaini that year. Um, just, uh, I just wanted to mention as well, about you, you were talking there about how Ten Hag has improved players and, and his English and, and how that comes across in the media. I know that it's obviously, well, I don't know, I'm not speaking for you, but you, you, you like to think that the media are kind of unbiased and approach it with, give everyone the same respect. Hmm. But it does make a difference, doesn't it, when you know, a manager seems to hold himself a certain way and seems to have that confidence. And I do think he's written about differently. Uh, I know his, right. his results have been it's excellent, but I, I do think that, you know, someone like Solskjaer, Moyes was the perfect example of minute one, he's not cut out for this. He looks like he's won a competition and that's how he was written about. And I yeah. do think that that changes yeah. social media agendas and it changes what you read in the papers. And, and I think eventually that can hurt managers. Yeah, definitely. I think you, you're right. Winning means you really could, yeah. could say what you like, but... More, you know, how do you win? Well, you get it right on the training ground and obviously on match day, but also part of that is how, you know, how you come across in the media is obviously yeah. reflecting how you are with the players, you know, behind closed doors, how you talk to them, how they relate to you, do they respect you? And, and Moyes is a great, you know, I remember a classic one. What was it? it was something to do, I think you were playing Liverpool at, at your place and, mm. he, and he basically said Liverpool are favourites. Now, that was, that was obviously true, but... He, who, who wants to hear that? Also, United we were reigning fan. champions then. <laughs> when Moyes was the manager, we were reigning. It wasn't like yeah, exactly, now exactly. or last season when exactly. Liverpool got 90 odd points. Exactly. So, so yeah. it is important, you know. Ten Hag as well. Uh, it makes a difference to me. This everyone's different, but I do actually think he's a nice guy. Mm. You don't have to be a nice guy to be a top manager, but I think it. it I, th- I, li- I like him, and I, mm. that's, you know. I, saw, I suppose I sort of liked them all, but I, Mourinho, I was a little bit ambivalent. I'm being polite about him. I didn't think he was. I, I didn't think his heart was in it, to be honest, at all. No. Whereas I think Ten Hag really, really. It was interesting. There was a Casemiro quote last last week saying he's he's the manager he's had who's 
wants to win the most, which is interesting because he's come from Real Madrid, which is an absolute mm. winning machine. You know, and it was, you know what I mean. I thought, yeah. obviously, you, you would expect that of all managers, or you should do anyway. But it was like almost, you know, like it ruins his sort of next few or four, three or four days if he doesn't win. And uh, you know, he should look like this. But when when the goal went in at Palace yesterday, yeah. he cut to him and he looked a combination of fuming and absolutely cheesed off when he walked off afterwards. But mm. that's you know, he, he should he should feel like that. Um, and for Casemiro, to the other thing about Ten Hag is he wasn't, he wasn't a big player, was he, right? No. So, so, so he's obviously got some sort of aura, mystique, yeah. whatever you want to call it, for, for a player like Casemiro to think, yeah, OK, yeah, I want to play for this guy. You know? yeah. And he's got that feeling as well that if things went well, I could see him being here for a long time. Definitely. Whereas Jose, you knew that wasn't the case. He was in the Lowry, wasn't he, all the yeah, time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's basically like on a rolling contract, Jose, and he, wherever he goes, because you can sign him one year, two year, three years. Once it starts to blow up, he's gone in two months. Whereas Ten Hag, I've got, I, I generally get that feeling that maybe it's because it's his first job at like a, you know, a, a mega team. I know Ajax have got a great history sure, not, not in terms of revenue yeah. and, and the sort of stuff they've won over the last sort of 20 years. He's never been at a club as the scale, the scale of Man United. And I wonder if he's got that, he's still got something to prove. Whereas Jose, proving everything you can. Yeah. You know, basically all I'm doing now is, is extending the miles on the clock. I, I, Ten Hag's got something extra. Ten, ten, let's not forget, it's worth going back over. Ten Hag walked into a bit of a mess, right? Yeah. You know, you were nowhere last season. It, you, you know, if you don't mind me saying, you were a bit of a joke. Mm. I'm not, not being nasty, but no, you, well, you, think, yeah. you, you were. As you United know, fans, <laughs> I think we'd all admit Okay, that, uh, so he's walked into season, that. Yeah. He's walked into a Ronaldo thing where he wants to leave. Yeah. And you lose the first two games. Not really his fault. He's tried his best, but he's lost the first two games. That game at Brentford, was, again, wasn't great. And then mm. look where you are now. You know, it's, it doesn't it just happen like that. He's got to have some sort of skill or talent. And, he, you know, it's been shown. I mean, you know, I always, you have to caveat because it's football and he, they could lose sort of 500 nil the next game. But he probably is the best signing, I think, since Ferguson left, like player or manager. He's got to be, right? You're looking yeah. at it thinking, because, you know, without a good manager, you can forget about the whole, you know, the rest of it, right? Yeah, great. Yeah, and I, do you know what? I think that's a great place to win this. <laughs> Ten Hag is the best signing since Fergie. You heard it here first. Thank you for coming on, Jamie. Honestly, absolutely love chatting to you as always. Make sure you go and check Jamie out uh, of, uh, and uh, The Guardian uh, on social media as well. We'll get the links to all of his stuff in there. Thank you for joining us at home. This has been the one-to-one -one interview with Jamie Jackson. Hit subscribe if you haven't already, and we'll see you in a bit. Sports Social Podcast Network.